WBNE. Howdy, Ukes. Before we get started today, I just want to let you know that this uh, episode of Bacon and Eggs and everything on WBNE is brought to you by our patrons. Uh, if you love the show and you want us to make more content or better content or, I don't know, help us justify this to the people we love, uh, head over to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs. Check out all the amazing reward tiers. Uh, I highly recommend the $10 tier if you are not already a $10 patron. Uh, the unedited episodes of Bacon and Eggs really, it's like extended edition Lord of the Rings. Have you really seen it if you haven't seen the extended edition? edition and maybe the short answer on that is yes you have because the theatrical edition is all that matters uh but also i mean don't you want all that extra sweet sweet content uh anyway uh check out all the great reward tiers we have over there thank you so much for listening thank you so much for donating and now on with the show howdy yokes and welcome back to burger I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Edgehill. And I'm Danny. And today we're journeying to a magical far off land. Or maybe we're just climbing into a wardrobe. So defeat the evil ice queen. And take your rightful place as king or queen. Because today we're bringing you the Chronicles of Narnia, Colin the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. This week, we are joined by the most talented human I've ever had the pleasure of meeting on the internet. She is the editor behind Editing is Everything. She's also the like genius brain behind Editing is Everything. She's a fantastic, self-made, world-class photographer. She is a native of none other than Ohio, the underrated, most powerful state in the union. I said it. A lot of people don't know it, but I, I'm, I have the the boldness to say it uh and she's just all around a class act and has a cool lion on her shoulder welcome to the program i feel like a radio host now hi danny welcome to bacon and eggs hello thank you for having me again we're so happy to have you <laughs> yeah so either go ahead ethan yeah what what were you gonna say i was just gonna say yeah it's always great to be because yeah, you wanted to come back on and usually mm -hmm. we're like hey guest do you want to come on it's not really usually the guest being like i want to talk about the chronicles of narnia and i'm like Yes, let's go. <laughs> yes, I haven't seen this movie in 15 years. Let's go. Let's do it. So this is a fun fact uh, for all you listeners. As long as Scott left it in the video, there's a moment in the J vs. Ben tomorrow where Danny asks a question <gasps> uh, for the Patreon Quizmaster question of the game. And uh, I talk about this, and I said we're reviewing it for the 10-year anniversary of Chronicles of Narnia, but it is not the 10-year anniversary. It is the 15th It's the 10-year anniversary of, like, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, well, then there we go. Yeah. That's something. It came out 15 years ago today in Britain. I know. Like, I... This movie came out when I was 11, and I have loved this movie ever since... Ever since I saw it, like uh, I remember, uh, I remember hearing that my sister was going to go see it, and I remember, ha I remember seeing uh, previews for it on TV. And I'm like, this is, this looks so cool because I didn't even know that they were books. I didn't even, mm -hmm. I didn't even know that that it was like any kind of any kind of medium before the movie. Like I, I saw the trailer blindly, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like literally the most epic thing I've ever seen. And so I heard my sister was going to go see it, and I'm like, oh, can I come too? She's like, okay, and so. So, so uh, it was my sister, her friend, me and my dad, we all saw it and I was blown away. I saw it three times in theaters. Uh, That's a ton for an 11 year old. I know. <laughs> uh, I got, I got the, the DVD, I think for Easter. I think uh, the following year, um, I watched it countless number of times. I can literally quote the movie from beginning to end. Like, Narnia is my religion. <laughs> that is so cool. I'm so excited to be talking to you about it then. I'm so excited uh, to talk about it in general. Like, the, like this movie this movie is not talked about enough. No, I agree. I think that there are a, a certain number of, of readable, worthwhile digestible fantasy series out there in the in the literature world and i think narnia is slept on because it's a little disjointed but it is very much readable more so than like lord of the rings is mm -hmm. uh so i i'm with you 100 and and i think the film this is probably the first time i've seen it not 15 years but probably 12 or 13 yeah, years. yeah it's, it's and, been a minute for me mm -hmm. for sure um, uh and i was i was very happily surprised uh let me run down some stats real quick and then we will do some uh like ethereal reviews and then we'll, we'll just get into opening it up and talking about the whole thing uh so it's directed by andrew adamson a name i don't think i've ever read on this show uh it came out december 8th 2005 which is 5,479 days ago 180 million dollar budget which to me sounds like a lot in 2005 uh made so 745 million dollars worldwide and another like 330 ish in dvd sales which is <laughs> 
an oh. insane number. There's a there's another fun fact about that. That was DVD sales in 2007. Really? So the movie came out on DVD in April of 2006, but it was the single most popular DVD release of the year 2007, making $300 million in DVD sales in just 2007, a year and change after it came out. Wow. That is, ins- well, almost a year after it came out. Uh, well. Uh, over a year after it came out. Yeah. <laughs> like the movie came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got a 76% critic rating and a 61% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but we can actually throw that 61 away since Danny's here. Uh, and a 75 on Metacritic. And then, Ethan, do you have a negative review from a professional critic? I do. I have a negative review here from Peter Travers of I Rolling Stone. I knew it was going to be from Peter Travers. I knew you were going to do that. Sorry, go ahead. I do. It's the first time I've ever gotten to read a Peter Travers review on this show. Um, he's one of the few critics I knew by name before this show, we started doing this show. Uh, and he says, this PG-rated movie feels safe and constricted in a way that the story never does on the page. It leaves out the deep magic of a good movie or a good sermon, the feeling that something vital is at stake. Um, and Peter Travers is wrong about everything always. Literally always. I've never once agreed with Peter Travers in my life. He's the one, he is, Who's the guy that liked the shags? Uh, that was Frank Zappa. That was Frank Zappa. He's not a critic. He was a musician. Yes. Um, the Mountain Goats have a song called Rage of Travers about how much Peter Travers sucks. Fun well, fact. there you go. Uh, but he was the guy I, that described the Eagles as being the single worst band to ever exist. Well, that's not true. Yeah, it's a great, uh, it is a great little quip. You should read the first five paragraphs of that review. But anyway, uh, continue on. You have a positive review for me. I do. I have a uh, I have a, a positive review from the Sydney Morning Herald, Sandra Hall. She says, good day, mate. It's easy oh to see God. why Disney chose to start with the witch Jesus and the wardrobe. <laughs> you cannot do Australian. It is not, you're not. <laughs> capable. <laughs> Lying a witch in the wardrobe. I'm from Australia, ain't I? Ain't it? Uh, let me see if I can get another one. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, oh, Matthew Lucas from the Dista- Dispatch in Lexington, North Kakalaki. Swinton digs into the icy heart. Nope. Now we're in Australia. That was Australian. What are you <laughs> doing? Swinton digs into Just the icy it. heart of her character. Uh, is North Carolina is pretty, pretty, uh, let me, let me see if I can twang it up a little bit. Swinton digs into the icy heart of her character with a chameleon-like prowess that is simply amazing. June 5th, 2019. My Wait, name is Ricky what? Bobby. I like the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> four out of four stars. It'd have been better if Aslan was a cougar. (laughs) (laughs) I I want to talk about big cats real quick. So Aslan obviously is the big cat of the film, but there is another underrated big cat, not named, I don't think. My favorite big cat is in the movie as well. Do you know what my favorite big cat is? Danny, do you? Um, Featured heavily? Featured greater than lightly. Well, there are are three other big cats that are in, in the movie, including the cheetah, the leopard, and the white tiger. So which one do you think is my favorite? Um, I'm going to guess the white tiger. Oh, that's close. But it's wrong. I'm a cheetah guy. Hey. Big cheetah fan. <laughs> yeah, Tyler is a big cheetah guy. It's actually our first combined memory to each other. I do just want to say something on the subject of uh, Andrew Adamson, the director of this movie. Uh, I did Google him just to see what else he's done. Uh, it looks like he also directed Shrek. Yes. Get, um, Like the original Shrek? Like yeah. the original Shrek? You're exactly right. But oh, I feel so dumb. I do want to say that Andrew Adamson looks exactly like what I would imagine David Spade would look like if he was from New Zealand. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> oh, I feel so dumb. You're exactly right on that, though. I just, I didn't remember that name either. Um, but yeah, Shrek. Shrek. Anyway. Shrek. So, it's, so Danny told us about. Oh, we got. We hold on. We got to do uh, listener reviews. I know. There's so much content we have to get through. So much structure to this show. You don't just want to break the shackles of of st- whatever structure we're referring to and just break free. Fly like a griffin or whatever the animal is in here. Anyway, so Chloe says uh, 58 out of 100. An incredibly enjoyable film. It always makes me happier. I love the world it creates and the quips from the characters, but overall it's nothing spectacular. Just an average fun time movie with decent acting and decent effects. Average? <laughs> what? <laughs> average? I, I I disagree with Chloe here. I, I truthfully watched it. I was like, this is so, so much I, better than I was I picked, expecting. I picked Chloe's review for the specific reason that I've, I've started enjoying anytime somebody's like yeah i really like this i give it a 50 sounds great love it <laughs> just like it's a five out of five let's go not not or five to, out of ten five out of ten yeah not to particularly hate on the movie or whatever but just like i i'm, I'm rewarding people for not uh, uh using the the high school scale in our 100 point scale now right we want to use all we're gonna use the whole points. hundred points right if you like you a movie 50 percent, give it a 50 anyway we got another listener review that tyler's gonna read right now and then we'll dive into it die, die. 75 out of 100 uh woozle says oh she's from england oh she's like she, she's from uh 
Just, just read it with your voice. Just read it with your... I want to get on to talking the about film, the movie. The film is magical and the effects are beautiful for a children's film at the time. It was that pastel blue hue that gives this film a timeless feel that is always good to watch at Christmas. <laughs> I will say that I admire that about this movie, that they did a full, like, big epic fantasy battle on just a bright, beautiful, sunny day. Sunny day, yes. That is so ballsy. It's a beautiful day for a war. <laughs> Right, it's just like, it's it's a wonderful day to go to war with the Ice Queen. <laughs> and I get it, because like it's, it's, a, it's a war of seasons, right? Like, spring has to win, and it's a beautiful spring day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they definitely resisted the, the urge to, to put on, like, the war filter that f- movies usually use. Right. Can you imagine if, if the Chronicles of Narnia looked like, like 1917? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that had, like, the, 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 the sepia tone, uh, like... Right. <laughs> like 300. <laughs> Yeah, because oh <laughs> this, yeah, this was Narnia. This was made around the same time as some truly awful war movies. <laughs> I will say that 2005 was an incredible year for movies in general. Was it? I, I feel. I feel like. I feel like 2004, 2005, 2006. Like, like you, that, I, I promise you, if you go back to 2004, you will be shocked at how many movies you love came out in 2004. Um, no, it's Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the uh, universally least favorite Harry Potter movie. Revenge of the Sith came out in 2005. That's a great movie. Uh, the, the, the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds, the Jack Black King Kong, Madagascar, Hard Candy, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the Willy Wonka, I mean, the, the Johnny Depp Willy Wonka, Batman Begins by Christopher Nolan, Shark Boy Sky and Lava High, High. <laughs> Shark Boy and Lava Girl came out. Mm-hmm. Sky Brown. High. Sky High. Yes. I love that movie. Um, but yeah, if you go to, to, to years with four, because like 2014 was great. 2004 was great. 1994 turned out to be great. And so did 1984. I did this like not very long ago with our discord where like we got stuck on, on years that end in four and how they're really good for movies. Mm-hmm. So we're coming up on a good one then. We're coming up on a good one in four years. <laughs> we're almost as far away as we could possibly be. Right. Yes. <laughs> Like, we are one year removed from as far away as possible from a four. So, Danny, you love the movie. Yes. Oh, do you want to know Ethan and I's scores? Yes. I want to know yours as well. I I, I have a shot in the dark on what I think yours is. Uh, are we going, Ethan, I want to, are we going up to 10 or up to 100? Un, out of 100. Up to 100. Up to, up to 100. Ethan, I want to hear yours first. I'm going to give it a 76. I thoroughly enjoyed this you, uh, cinematic experience. You have to you have to go into more detail. You're looking at the world's biggest Narnia stand right now. Well, I'm going to go into more detail in the next hour and a half. That's true. Same. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna do better than that, but not 84 out of 100. 84. Danny, what what you out got? 100. 101 out of 100. <laughs> 100 it is. Perfect. There we go. <laughs> uh, okay. So this is one into of those movies. Stuff. Sorry, yeah. I just interrupted you. I was just gonna say into the good stuff and oh, then say. Yeah. So this is one of those movies stuff. where like, if you say this is your your favorite movie ever, I'm like totally go for it. If you say this is a, this is your least favorite movie ever, I don't trust There's you. something wrong with you, right? Like like. <laughs> This is a perfectly passable movie in almost every... There's nothing, like, wrong with this. I do remember people being upset in the year of our Lord 2005 that this didn't check some boxes. Like, this, for a lot of our generation, this was the first time people were, like, truly gutted by a movie adaptation. Which is so weird because it's an extremely faithful adaptation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's, like, any movie adaptation, right? It's, it's never gonna... It's not the same as a book. It's never gonna be the same as a book, and it's never gonna deliver the same experience as a book. For better or for worse. Uh, there's, they've come pretty close sometimes. I mean, Flight Club... Fight Club, the movie and book are pretty much the exact same experience. Uh, it takes yeah. you about as long to read the book as the movie is. Um, but I, I remember going to the theater and being like, this is cool. This is like, it, it, it's Lord of the Rings, like more sort of more for kids than Lord of the Rings was, but not like, it's not juvenile. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's yeah. not, it's not Blue's Clues fantasy. <laughs> it's, it's just like, it's, it's about children as opposed to 50 year old hobbits. Yeah. And, instead, of That's Lord, I, instead of Lord of the Rings, it's more Prince of the Rings. <laughs> right. <laughs> And it's one of the things I really liked about it was that it was this, like, I think I liked this movie more in 2020 than I did in 2005 when I would have originally seen it. I certainly uh, did. Yeah. Not that I, I think that I, not that I think I didn't like it, but I think I saw it in 2005. And that was also like, it had to compete with Harry Potter. And I really, really liked those first three movies. Uh, first four, I guess at this point. And uh, that was like a series that I was like actively engaged with. I was like buying the books as they came out. The seventh one wasn't even out yet. So that was, you know, like a, I think a, a sticking point. And then I, I also think that you had to compare it to Lord of the Rings because Lord of the Rings would have just ended. And I think as a, I don't know why 13 year old me would have cared, but as like a cinematic 
experience, this isn't the same as Lord of the Rings. I don't think that uh, Shrek director Adam Williamson or whatever his name is has quite the same vision Peter Jackson did. Uh, and it's also not like Star Wars. Like there was a lot for it to compete with at the time and a lot for my attention to be grabbed by. And I was spending all of my time outside having lightsaber battles instead of sword fights. And if it was 100% sword fights, true. Oh. I had Enderil. I will say though, uh, freaking Peter Jackson could learn a thing or two from, from Andrew Adamson about how to compellingly shoot dialogue. You think so? I think so. I thought there were a lot of really beautiful scenes in this movie. Uh, I mean, it's it's still the New Zealand landscape, so it's going to be like you can just you can send up a helicopter and just make a movie, right? You don't even need people to talk or anything. It's it's fine. Right. Like it's just a bunch of snow. Snow is always beautiful, right? No matter what. And they did they went for warm snow in this movie instead of cold snow. Like when uh, when Lucy walks out of the wardrobe, it's like a very warm, cozy, inviting experience with the, with the soft yellow light of the lamppost. Even though it's obviously freezing because there's snow all over the place, yeah. you feel right. cozy until freaking Edmund shows up and it's just like, that's not cozy anymore. I want some Turkish delight and I want to betray my friends and family. So Edmund, also when he shows up, it's not cozy. Like they, they shift the lighting in the mm-hmm. lamppost so it's no longer an, a warm light. It's a, it's like a blue light almost. Uh, so they definitely change. That's that's your sort of like 50 shades of gray Narnia <laughs> right there for editing is everything. Have you done this one? I'm sure you have. Have you done this in like the Fifty Shades of C.S. Lewis? That's gotta be somebody's (laughs) fantasy. Uh, no, but uh, back in 2017, I think. Yeah, 2017, I did Narnia as a horror movie. Uh, and I already have it in, I, have, I already have it ready to go for, to edit it in seven different genres, which will probably be sometime in the next coming months. Cool. So <laughs> I could definitely see horror movie for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that seems easy. A lot of good, good light in here. And there's a lot of, you know, Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> A lot of angry faces. Early in the film, we get a lot more context in the movie than we do in the book for... Because in the book, it's like, these kids went and stayed with the magician's nephew because, well, they did. Uh, well, because of the air raids. But in the movie, we actually get like a little bit more backstory on Edmund on like he tries to save the father's picture and you get a little bit more of the conflict between them up until Lucy discovers the wardrobe. Uh, I felt like that early part dragged a little bit. Danny, tell me how you feel. Um, uh, I, I feel like the beginning, which by the way, uh, John and I watched it uh, last night, it was it was his first time watching it. And he really enjoyed it, and and so it was my first time watching it all the way through in all, in quite a long time. Uh, I actually cried at the beginning <laughs> for the first time, um, but uh, I I feel like if if you if you are just given uh, given this movie by itself and like you you have you don't know anything what it's about, you've never seen the trailer, and like and so you're just watching it. Um, I feel like it's a it's a really good like uh, like U turn when uh, uh, or what's um, uh, like diversion, a really good diversion to like what the actual story is about. Because you're like, oh, it's probably a war film. Um, right. So yeah, like um, it's it's slow but well paced at like at the same time. Like um, right. <clears throat> like it's it's setting you up for something much bigger. So so you have to take like those baby steps. Uh, but but within within fifth like. 10, 15 minutes, you are in the wardrobe, and you're like, oh, wow, this is not a war movie. <laughs> no, this is like well, some well, weird t- high fantasy thing. Well, technically, it is a war thing. movie near the end, yeah. but... <laughs> I think yeah, I think it's an interesting contrast of like there's this war where the children have literally no power at all. Like all they can do is run and hide in a bunker. To they are literally leading armies, mm-hmm. you know, and and commanding troops and and you know making things happen. So I do think it's a cool contrast from the beginning to the end. And their war at the end is in the daytime, and the air raids from the Germans is in the nighttime. Night and days, summer and winter. <laughs> yeah, um, I really enjoyed the first 15 minutes of this movie. Uh, I, I I thought it was really good, and I could have. Liked like, I know that there are plenty of movies that explore, like, children that had were exiled from the Blitz, um, and, and the Second World War in general, especially in Britain, but I, I, I could have lived in that movie, right? Like, I could have, have watched a whole movie about these kids, like, with and their eccentric professor they go to live with, and the and the crazy landlady or whatever. The, the, this is right. the care- crazy. <laughs> caretaker, which we don't get enough of her in the movie. Like it doesn't. She she. It's a setup and not a really uh anything else. Like I know they're afraid of her or whatever, but we don't. You just sort of have to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I was sort of expecting because this follows a very similar sort of progression to like oh my wife is here oh and my baby and your baby hi baby <laughs> she's so cute. Hi, baby. Oh, <laughs> What a bean. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> she said no.
I so I get the feeling that it's like when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, this is going to be kind of like the Wizard of Oz, and it really is. Like we have these characters who were in this terrible situation, and then they end up in this more colorful, fantastical world, and then at the end, they end up back in the beginning spot. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's oh. no trains in Narnia though, and there's a train in the first scene, and that's all that matters really. So you're saying you'd prefer World War II Europe? Yeah, because there's trains, specifically, <laughs> trains. specifically the uh, the whatever it was from the Great Western Railway, which is one of the greatest railroads of all time because they have that cool green color scheme. Uh, uh, no, so this, this was the point that I was going to make is that you've got all of these thematic elements that are very similar to Wizard of Oz. But the one thing that you're missing is that like I was if I had no context at all. I would expect that nanny to be the same actress as the witch, the white witch. Yeah. Well, then then it would have been a ripoff, right? Aslan (laughs) to be voiced by uh, the professor, Jim Broadbent. Yeah. Jim Broadbent. Professor Slughorn. Yes. What a great version to play the professor. Uh, Also, at least, or, or to be Santa Claus is that he would show up. You know, somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I, I was expecting that, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that's not how it was. Yeah, because yeah. the Wizard of Oz is an existent piece of fi- like you could just go watch the Wizard of Oz and get that like that reveal, right? Like, right. That's a thing you can do. Um, I'll tell you, this being a Christmas movie is something I always forget. Having like Santa Claus give them the gifts, right? And they got to go find Jesus Lion. <laughs> I forget that when when Santa Claus showed up, when Gior Mormont showed up, Santa Claus, I was like. What? Huh? That it was is, a fact that it did, it did not stick in brain. It is such a fantastic D&D element. Like, imagine being the DM of a game, and then in the middle of the game, you were like, and you hear hooves approaching, roll perception or whatever, and then straight up, it's just Santa Claus. <laughs> and he's just like, hey, ho, 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 I'm Santa. And he like, gives you presents, and that's it. So one thing I did want, one thing I did want was when Santa showed up, he shows up, he gives them the weapons. I wanted him to also give them toys or like like something like, I guess what I think this movie's trying to say is that like kids are more mature and kids have more power than we ever give them credit for. But I want Lewis to be like, but kids are also kids and want to be children. And I wanted more than anything, I wanted Santa Claus to give Lucy the instrument that Mr. Tumnus was playing was that was like, that was the poetic moment that I needed and I didn't get. Oh, that would have been so cute and I would have cried. <laughs> and, 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 and also after that scene, John's like, like, why didn't Santa give anything to the beavers? <laughs> <laughs> because, I don't know. <laughs> Santa only A brings presents to good kids. <laughs> I love the beavers by the way ray winston playing mr beaver fantastic fantastic casting <laughs> choice fantastic voice acting from like, love the a real jason statham the type yeah um, i love the writing for them as well where they just like drop these weird sort of beaverisms like you get this glimpse into beaver culture where it's like uh shower day is my least favorite day of the year it's like yeah. why did we even need that joke <laughs> right but it's so funny though it's so good <laughs> Um, I will say this vis-a-vis voice acting of animals. Why are the wolves American, right? Like everybody in the movie is British and the wolves are just like, hey, why you keep running away? What's going to, what's the big idea here? <laughs> I like, did notice that. Why? Were there no you, British people left in, or in New Germans? Zealand? What? Or no Germans? Like, uh, yeah. I mean, or anything. That would have been a little heavy handed, right? <laughs> if they were German. Yas, wie als Wolf. <laughs> we have come from all the sorts of white king or white queen to kill you. We are the secret police. We are the secret police. <laughs> we are wolves. Uh, yeah, no, the wolves are like from New Jersey. Like, what, are, what is that? <laughs> It didn't, it didn't like, obviously it didn't take me out of it. Like I, the, the belief was never really there. Right. It wasn't like the magic was broken or anything. I was just like, huh? I really like the wolves. I, I tell you, Danny, maybe you can shed some light on this. Spring is arriving because they are there, right? Yes. Like they're uh, the reason that the, everything's melting. Yes. And also, um, when Mr. Thomas talks about, uh, how, how, how it's been winter for a hundred years and, and Santa says that, um, that the hope that 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 they're bringing the the kids are bringing uh, is is melting away the witch's power. So so te- so if you think about it, um, uh, the the children are 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 like the warmth coming into Narnia. Like they like they they're bringing in spring. Like it's it's, it's like a metaphor for like um like they're melting uh, her her cold evil heart. I love that because that's what the prophecy foretold, right? Mm-hmm. For the two sons of Adam and two daughters of Eve, and Aslan shakes his mane. Which something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you. What, t- what Adam's flesh and Adam's bone sits in Care Paravel and throne, the evil yeah, time it. will be over and done. You know, that doesn't really rhyme. <laughs> 
I love that. That was so good. Uh, I tell you, Asna didn't have to die, right? Edmund just didn't have to betray them. And if Edmund didn't betray them, then Aslan never had to die. True. Right. Like, and then the would have, war would have been really easy and the movie would have been over and, and there wouldn't have been a story, right? Right. But right, Aslan they, is Jesus, so he has to die because men are sinners. Right. He has to die for the, the one who betrayed the others. Right. I thought that was a really nice prophecy. Mm -hmm. I thought that was good. The cracked stone table. Uh, this movie's a little bit more graphic than I was expecting. I mean, they don't like have blood on screen. They do have a really nice overhead shot where Lucy is laying and hugging Aslan's neck, but she's wearing like a red cape. And it looks like blood is just everywhere. Oh. It was was good. That was a good shot. I was like, man, that's that was cool. a good shot. I'm telling you, Andrew Adamson underrated over here. He could, Peter Jackson could learn a thing from this guy. <laughs> he probably did. And then he was like, I'll make Hobbit movies. I can do them like Narnia, and he did. <laughs> oh, so I I have a fun fact about um about uh. Andrew Adamson's directing. Um, uh, this is from uh, some the behind the scenes from from the the DVD. Is when uh, when uh, when Lucy enters Narnia from the wardrobe. Uh, th that was that was Georgie Henley's real reaction to Narnia. Yeah. Like, like they, yeah. they 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 kept that that whole set hidden from her until it was time to shoot. So her like looking around like like her looking everywhere like that's real. That's a real genuine reaction of Georgie. That's so cool. Yeah, they like blindfolded her and shoved her into the wardrobe yeah <laughs> and we're just like okay now walk out enjoy and also you've never met james mcavoy before yeah <laughs> had she never met james mcavoy no they, surely she had no they like hid them mm -hmm. on purpose yeah and so so that so that was also her her real reaction uh to to james uh and and so over the course of filming james and georgie became like super super close and, and when um and, and they also kept hidden from her uh like the the, the fact that, that she was going to see mr tumnus at like as a statue and so uh so that um so like they the, uh when it was time for for them for susan and lucy to come into the into the castle to rescue all, all the statues uh she wasn't told that that mr thomas was a was a statue that that, that james that they had statue that they had uh, made a whole statue of of james and so that, that was her actually crying uh over over james being frozen <clears throat> That's so cool. Yeah. Ethan, you hate James McAvoy more I do. than um, any other I, human alive. Legitimately, this is... I don't hate him more than any other human alive. I mean, he's no Ethan Hawke. Um, <laughs> he's... Yeah. So this is the thing... This is the one thing I really, truly like James McAvoy in. Oh, I, I love him. I expect that response. I love him in this role. I've always... I've, like, I've loved him in this role. This is my introduction to him. And I went and saw a bunch of other movies he was in, and I was like, this guy's... Uh, something about him, man. Something doesn't do it for me in, in other roles. And he's in a lot of movies that I don't particularly care for just in general um like i'm not interested in whatever those and that Shyamalan movies are about the the schizophrenic guy mm -hmm. uh i don't particularly care for the the new x-men movies nor do i think he does a particularly good charles xavier it's a tough act to follow it right? sure it sure is but michael fassbender really pulls it off and, and james mcavoy doesn't that's just this guy one guy's opinion um <laughs> james mcavoy peaked in narnia that's it <laughs> <laughs> no, and I know that I am I am like the singular holder of this opinion, and he is like beloved. And I've I've seen him on like Jules Holland and uh and um what's the other guy Graham Graham Norton and on Top Gear, and he just seems like the kindest, most like lovely person to ever exist. I just don't like his acting that much. And you know, one day I hope that I turn around on this, and I hope that I'm wrong because people find a lot of joy in the roles that he plays, and I find a lot of joy in him in this role. I think he encompasses this this especially at the beginning, right when he's clearly. Uh, uh, betraying Lucy, right? Like it's it's obvious to everybody but Lucy, mm -hmm. but you also see him being this warm, caring, friendly type immediately. Mm -hmm. I think he really nails it. For sure. Would you have tea with a fawn? Uh, if I came across a magical land in my wardrobe, I would certainly go nowhere alone at any time. Well, you are not a six-year-old girl. That's so. correct. I am not a six-year-old girl. Um, Even at age six, I think my parents had taught me enough stranger danger that I probably would have gone and gotten somebody. Also, I think she's like eight. How? What, what are, do, Danny, do you know the age breakdown? I know it says it in the book. But my copy's somewhere. I don't know. Um, I can't remember right off the top of my head, but I believe that Lucy is like six or seven. Because really? um, uh, it was uh, Georgie was was like eight or nine when when they when they were filming. Uh, but I'm pretty sure the age range is between like six and 
12 or 13. Yeah, I know Peter is like, Peter hits an age that doesn't compute in my brain. Mm -hmm. Like, because when I was 12, I looked basically like an eight-year-old. And then it wasn't until I was like 16 that I looked like a Mm 16-year-old. Well, it's cool. The girl playing Susan's like 18. The girl playing Susan, I love Susan's character. Mm -hmm. I think Susan's brilliant. Like, I would get a pop figure of Susan. (gasps) Speaking of pops, I am so upset that that there are no Funko Pops of Narnia. Like, are there really? There's aren't? none. I've looked Bonkers. everywhere, and it's. I mean, it's it's a shame that 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 there are no no pops of um, like from Narnia at all. Uh, I will spend all of my money on them if and when they come out. Uh, I, I feel like it would be like a really good time for them to come out now because it's, it's the 15th anniversary. They're gonna have to wait till the 20th anniversary, I guess. <laughs> Right. Oh, the thing is, I just like. Oh, I actually have have custom pops I bought on Etsy. Oh, love that! <laughs> that is so cool. So that just sparked that scene that you have right there sparked a memory for me mm-hmm. of my first experience with anything about this series. Um, when I was in elementary school, I think I was in the third grade. Mm-hmm. We had to do a project where we created like not dioramas but like the same idea as like a diorama uh except they were supposed to be they were on wheels and they were supposed to be like a parade float of a scene from a book right and this one kid that i was in class with did that scene from the lion the witch in the wardrobe which is a book that he read i guess i did a scene from uh a wrinkle in time by madeline langle Mm -hmm. and i used a Django fett action figure for one of my characters (laughs) fun fact i remember that detail specifically but i was just like what is this with the lamppost and the goat dude he's just like oh it's the chronicles of narnia dude you haven't read it and i was like nah and he gave me his copy of the magician's nephew because he's like this is the first one this is the one you got to read first and i I got like halfway through it and i was like what in god's name is this book magician's nephew is i love the magician's nephew if i have i did not love like it a, when i was eight well no but it, but like me as a 28 oh god i'm old me as an old person uh if i have like two days and somebody's like grab a fantasy or grab like a fiction book and read it there's a, a pretty long list of things i would pick but the magician's nephew is truly a book that i can like pick up and read cover to cover without like setting down at all i love the magician so it was the last one he wrote right like he just kind of slapped it yeah. on there as a prequel after the rest of yeah. it was done um so it's not 100 percent necessary uh, i'm sure no it, yeah you can start with the line i've never actually read it sure. i don't like all the way through um i don't i can't imagine that like you miss anything uh but it definitely probably adds a lot of context um it more explains how the wardrobe works than anything. yeah I, and that was the, that was the thing is like it almost it's a weird kind of prequel because i remember it all you had to like care about the wardrobe kind of ahead of time right or like know what the wardrobe does before it's like interesting i don't know i've read i think three of these total so the, the semester I took my 400 level C.S. Lewis class on like Lewis's fiction was also the semester I took off of college. So despite being there for most of the semester, I had to take the rest of the semester off because I wasn't doing anything because I was like super duper depressed. Uh, so I have only read probably two or three of them as well, but I own all of them. They're right there. I do as well. I have a I have a paperback uh, box set. Me too. It's right there. I, I've read it. I've read all of them. I have all of them. It's been a long time since I've read all of them. Um, but there there are three movies. Uh, th- three of the books have been made into movies, which include Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, and The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And there is rumor that... I'm pretty sure production stopped because of COVID, but there's rumor that... Netflix is making their own spin-off series of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or just Narnia I've in heard general. That. That's would cool. it be the same cast? No, no, I sure, it, be. it would have to. No. It has to be new kids. Yeah, because I, uh, because they're, because I mean, Georgie Henley is like twenty three right now, twenty or like twenty five. <laughs> yeah, um, I will say that like the problem with watching The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it doesn't make me want to read the Narnia books. It makes me want to reread The Magicians Ooh, and rewatch magicians? that show. Um, it's a, it's a book series. I think I've only actually read the first one, uh, but it's a book series. And the idea is that it, it is about a world where magic exists and also Narnia exists. Uh, it's not called Narnia, but it's the exact same. It's like a direct ripoff. Uh, Narnia exists and magic exists. And like people think they're children's books, but they're kind of weird, but they're kind of weird because they're true. And it's, it's hard to explain. Um, and then they, they made it into a TV show that was pretty good. Um, this is the, the Grossman series. Yeah, Lev Grossman. I would read these. 
Also, I think I don't think that's a problem, Ethan. I think any movie or piece no, of media I, that you watch that inspires you to read anything. I don't think it's a problem at all. I, it's like, it's I definitely I definitely want to pick the book up. I've read it I think twice, like a couple years apart each time, uh, and I never seem to get all the way to the second one because I think the second one is like a completely different cast of characters. Like it's it's sort of in the same universe but not the same uh, uh, story. But yeah, it's about these kids that go to magic school in a world where Harry Potter exists and is named. And they just think that it's hilarious because of how wrong it is about magic. But also, there's a fake Narnia, and the author of the fake Narnia, like, was really a magician. Uh, I'll have to pick up this series. It's, it's, Dan, I, I enjoyed the first book, but it Dan, is definitely. Do you read a lot of books? Uh, I am not a reader. I, I have a hard time reading because of my, my ADHD, um, or yeah, ADD, same. whatever I have, but I'm, I'm definitely a movie watcher. Um, so, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll watch a movie way quicker than, um, than I'll read a book. Um, uh, which is why I, I've, I've read, I've read Narnia like maybe three or four times. I've seen it over 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot about for me. sure <laughs> i think i'm probably the same way with potter where like i really appreciate the books and i think they're absolutely fantastic and i've read them probably more than three or four times uh but i've seen those films more times than i mm-hmm. can count like oh i have read the- deathly hallows more times than I've seen both Deathly Hallows movie combined. For sure. Uh, 100% chance. You know what's crazy is I think five and six, I would be surprised if I'd read each of those more than twice. I've read the whole series through at least 10 times. Five always makes me so mad. The prophecy is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's not. Five is a masterwork. It's it's so complicated though. Three is a masterwork. Five is three is unnecessary. Three is the best one. It's not the best book. It's just not. Yes, it is. Oh, it's so good. It's It's so tight. It's just not the best book. Um, Uh, Potter's the one series where I don't prefer the the initial books but as we're not here to talk about potter we're here to talk about the lion the witch and the wardrobe which is such a bonkers title because like lion witch okay these are like these are things like these are these are exotic things right and then wardrobe and that it really sets it really sets like an off-kilter tone for the whole thing you're like okay this is gonna be interesting right (laughs) the the cat the wizard and the closet (laughs) right like not even the closet it's like the closet that you brought into the room because you didn't have a closet right <laughs> like the external slightly portable closet i cannot tell you just how badly i wanted the the narnia wardrobe like that actual wardrobe i have wanted for so long and like i wonder if like i'm gonna look to see if anyone has like made it like and like is selling it I see. I, the the oh, thing that always yeah. strikes me about it is that it's just like in a room completely by itself. Yeah. And I haven't again. I haven't read the book in a long time, but that was never the vibe I got from the book. It is the vibe from the book. Is it? Yeah. Is this room? The whole thing about the mansion is that like it's kind of like the way the book describes, at least from my memories, it's kind of like Hogwarts, and that like you'll open doors sometimes, and there are different things inside of those rooms. Uh, but I think they he describes it in that way because it is so big, and there are so many rooms, not that the rooms actually change. Well, it's told through Lucy's eyes, right? Like that's. I mean, it's not, but it is. Like she's our representative, mm-hmm. right? She's the audience surrogate here, and so like everything has to seem big and, and magical because she's like a seven year old kid or whatever, or like it's a huge house, um, right, out in the middle. Of nowhere and they play cricket with each other like good little british people <laughs> i didn't know there was houses in the middle of nowhere in england in my brain england is so small there can be no nowhere you can't just have a mil- like a mansion on a ton there's of land some, see there's some nowhere because like um i think it's like every piece of land in england is like owned by somebody gotta be um and so like lots of people just have you know big ancestral estates right and they'll like lease land to people like let them build big houses and stuff like they get to choose i don't really know how it works but it seems like there's there's people that own just huge swaths of land what i found about england is that almost always my understanding of it is completely incorrect like i've been to england i know that you you have to get on a bus for a considerable amount of time to get from london to stonehenge but in my mind like the thames runs through stonehenge it's right there it doesn't it goes the other direction i I understand that (laughs) <laughs> but like like that's like the center of london and then right next to it is the london eye and that's it's like central park is stonehenge is it is my brain i know in my other brain that that's not how it is but i have two brains and that's how i visualize it <laughs> and one of them doesn't know shit about england <laughs> <laughs> why would you apparate when everything's just right there you know i don't know i feel bad for the fox in this movie he's just trying to help dude the fox is the unsung hero of Narnia. yeah just trying to help just trying to make everything better trying to help out for aslan and trying and to be voiced by george clooney but isn't it's it's not george clooney <laughs> i know that movie would not come for several years after this <laughs> uh 
Speaking of voices, Liam Neeson is Aslan? Yeah, that was my introduction to to Liam Neeson and Tilda Swinton and James McAvoy. Uh, so Wait, <laughs> you hadn't seen The Phantom Menace? No. I, I, I saw it after. I'm like, oh, it's Aslan! <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about Liam Neeson here, right? And, like, I think he does fine as Aslan. I don't... I don't know that, like, he's... No, I think he's perfect. Really? 100%. Yeah, 100%. I don't know. What are you going to do? Were you going to be like, James Earl Jones, you want to be another lion? You just can't do that. <laughs> well, no, so, so the first person to audition for it was Gerard Butler, and I think he would have been better. Really? I, mean, I didn't know well, Gerard Butler audition. Clearly the cast didn't think that he would be better. <laughs> yeah, but I I think he would have been better. I don't know. I See, here's my thing about Liam Neeson, right? And, and this has really nothing to do with this movie other than I think that, like, I don't know, there's just something off kind of about his performance here. But, like... I'm starting to think that Liam Neeson may not be that great of an actor because I feel like every time Liam Neeson's in a movie, people will be like, oh, just, I really feel like he didn't nail it. But like, it's not his fault. He just doesn't have a lot of work with. But like, I feel like people say that about every single Liam Neeson movie. At some point, he might just be the problem. I don't know, man. I just feel like there wasn't much to work with. Dude's been in a lot of bad movies. <laughs> He's been this in a, a for, for somebody whose name you know, like offhand. And almost everybody knows his name offhand. That dude has been in a lot of movies that people don't particularly care for or care for his performance in. Wait a minute, like what? Like, like the Phantom Menace, like Taken, like the Gray, which is like one of the people, worst reviewed movies ever. People don't like the Phantom Menace. Yeah, it's bad. He's bad in it. I am people. Oh, you are people. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lots of people think this about the Phantom Menace. It the is the Gray it. is not one of the worst reviewed movies of all time. It's got seventy nine percent certified fresh. Yeah, people hate it. Sixty one percent audience. I don't score. think they do. I don't think they do. I remember people <laughs> hating this movie. I remember people I talking remember about how bad Liam Neeson was. It is very similar to uh, Rogue One, where they all die. I don't know. I just feel like I'm constantly having this conversation with people where they'd be like, man, Liam Neeson wasn't great in this, but like, I don't feel like it's his fault. And like, at some point, it's got to be, though, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, at some point, it's got to be what Liam the Neeson's opposite fault. Of a, what is the opposite of a fan club? Um, how I feel about Ethan Hawke. <laughs> Right, like, how, like Ethan's gonna build this like league of extraordinary gentlemen who hate Liam Neeson, James McAvoy, and Ethan Hawke. I don't hate Liam Neeson. I have, I have no real problem with Liam Neeson. I just don't like almost every role he's in. I don't feel like he's the guy. If you were at a bar and Liam Neeson was there, obviously not sulking, just like happened to be at the bar, would you ask him for a selfie? Um, no. I don't really ask anybody for selfies. I've never been in a bar with Liam Neeson. I think that would be a new experience. <laughs> hey, me. if I was in a bar with Ethan Hawke, I'd be like, you were in Dead Poet Society. <laughs> Tell me what that was like. I only I ironically wrong. hate you because we share the same name and it is my desire to defeat you in single combat. <laughs> Tell me about Robin Williams. Tell me what it was like to meet Robin Williams. And work with him and kind of smell him. Did he smell good? I get the vibe that he smelled good. Robin Williams would have been a great Aslan. Oh, which is a really great segue into my thought. Who who do you if you were to cast the modern day Aslan for for the for the next generation of for, for the the Netflix adaptation of Narnia who would you cast as Aslan because I'm I'm looking at at British actors and I'm like I think Idris Elba would be oh, fantastic oh he would I think Idris Elba is a perfect choice because he doesn't have the kind of I think he would nail it but he also I wouldn't say he has the kind of voice recognition that somebody like Liam Neeson does mm -hmm. oh I do he definitely does I don't think me? he does I don't think that you would. Uh, because like, the whole time I'm watching this, right, and even even as a kid, I was like, I didn't know, necessarily know that was Liam Neeson, right? But I was like, that's Qui-Gon Jinn talking. <laughs> and the whole time that today, I was like, that's just Liam Neeson talking. <laughs> and, and it's something to do with the fact that Aslan doesn't, like, talk. He just, like, Mewtwo, like, vocalizes. Like, it's all, like, telepathic. Is it? I thought his mouth moved. Yeah. Mm, not the way that the beavers do. <laughs> he says stuff while he roars at the same time. That's not really how talking works. That's true. Well, There's I, something I mean, off about it. I mean, you can growl while you sing, so... <laughs> she makes excellent points, Ethan. <laughs> It's fair. It's fair. I don't know. It was Liam Neeson. That was, that was, it was just Liam Neeson, right? Idris Elba, I think, would be a great choice. Um, but I, I would, I like, I don't think you have to have star power voicing Aslan. Uh, I like the idea. This is what's been going around in my brain. He's not British, so I don't know if it'll work. Does Aslan have to be British? Jesus was from Nazareth <laughs> and Bethlehem. So I think we're fine, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, I want Adam Driver to voice Aslan. <laughs> Courage, dear heart. <laughs> just, just put a bunch of Adam Driver's uh, dialogue over as I'm talking. <laughs> I <laughs> be incredible. You're nothing, but not to me. <laughs>
God. Um, which is a, is also. I just had sex, and now I'm gonna eat nachos. <laughs> Every day you wake up, and I hope you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> which more, uh, <laughs> more. Uh, Tyler, have you watched Marriage Story yet? No, I'm very scared of Marriage Story. Why? It stresses me. I'll watch I don't it know, with man. You. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know. Cause it's about like it's like a divorce story, right? It's about people breaking up. That scares me. I don't want to break up. You're not like gonna life. break up. People and also, do. watching Marriage Story isn't gonna be the thing that undoes your happy marriage, <laughs> right? Like if you can't watch a movie together, if you can't watch a sad movie together, maybe you should get divorced. Well, I'm certain we could watch it. But, uh, it's just I, such I was... phenomenal Adam Driver acting. It is like it is it is a beautiful thing to watch that man be in that movie. He's such a good actor dude he's so good it's got laura dern in it tyler i well, that's a good enough reason for me to watch it i'll watch anything laura dern is in. <laughs> we're gonna start a, an extraordinary league of gentlemen who love laura dern and an extraordinary league of gentlemen who hate ethan hawk james mcavoy and liam neeson and i, I don't hate liam neeson I get to, <laughs> no i get it qui-gon you're like qui-gon jinn deserved to die so did aslan so did the guy from taken did he die no oh, he died <laughs> they made a bunch of them I don't know, man. Liam Neeson's just like, he's like one of the most famous actors without like, I don't know, sort of really earning it. It wasn't Qui-Gon. Like he was already, I feel like, what, I, I don't know. People love the Taken movies. I didn't, this, this whole narrative that people don't like Taken is, is new to me. People like Taken. They don't love Liam Neeson in Taken. Oh, <laughs> oh, this is, yeah. He was, he was Schindler. That's what people. Yeah, like, sure. He was good Schindler. in that. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of Qui-Gon Jen, he was Lion Jen. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, Ethan here from the Editing Bay. Just wanted to pop in here real quick and let you know that uh, we had some issues with Danny's audio file and we lost about, I don't know, like 45 minutes of it. So, you, you know, something like that, somewhere somewhere in the middle of that. So anyway, you're going to pick it back up in the middle of a conversation and, and for that we apologize, but we, we got an episode out for you, it's ready to go. And, and, and you just missed some gold, man. You just did. It just sucks. But onward and ever upward, right? Okay. Back to the episode. And that is why if you were on Bleep Blop 6, you would think that somebody on the International Space Station is on Earth. Okay. But if my mom's on the moon <laughs> and your mom's on the International Space Station, like wh where does that <laughs> stop? Like where does the moon, is the moon part of Earth? For Ickbox Six, is moon, is the moon part of Earth? I think it is. I think it is. So, uh, anyway, Danny, let's get back wanna, to yeah, yeah. I want to lie in the witch in the wardrobe, Danny. You were totally allowed to like this movie for whatever reason you do. Like, I think it's a fantastic film, and I think it's awesome. But you have it tattooed on your body. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. Your tattoo is like one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my Incredible. entire life. It's extremely cool. Um, is there a deeper to you meaning other than like you saw this movie and you really like it? Like, walk me through where the love for Narnia comes from or stems from or what it means to you today and that's there's totally valid if there's not you you don't have to answer tyler who doesn't have tattoos yeah there is a much deeper meaning um uh because i remember back back when i saw it like it immediately inspired me to write my own stories um and so i think from between 2006 to like 2009 2010 ish uh i wrote a trilogy and two other books, two other unrelated stories, inspired by Narnia, influenced by Narnia. Um, uh, some, so, some like like really heavily influenced, and some just 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 like some bits and pieces influenced here and there. Um, but it it just it unlocked this this part of me that that just I did I didn't know was even there. Um, and um and I I really love C.S. Lewis's writing because it's it's very simple but it's also very elegant at the same time. Mm -hmm. Really easy to read, but but he also makes it really easy for you to visualize things. Mm -hmm. Um and uh I mean it, it just flourished my my entire love for for fantasy and and just just and, and also my, my love for making movies, um, which is why when I make when I make my trailers like my my fantasy trailers and my Disney trailers, uh, Narnia is like the template for um, right. uh, for that trailer. Like say, uh, it was I think it was at, the, at the beginning of the year. Yeah, um, wow, time is like so weird. Kind of like how Narnia right. in, in Narnia <laughs> time is so weird. Like you're gone for right. you know, there's thirteen hundred years past of Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
I feel like this. This feel like twenty twenty has been twenty twenty has been has literally been thirteen hundred years. Um, yeah, pretty much. Back, <laughs> what it feels like. It's also still March, right? Like we just hit it. You know. I know, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, t- tomorrow, like tomorrow is is March fifty sixth, right? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> tomorrow is um, Christmas. It's practically here. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, at the beginning of the year, I, I edited It Chapter 2 in seven different genres, and I did a, and I did a Disney genre, and I believe that I used, uh, some of the Narnia music in that, um, uh, same, same with when I edited Coraline a few years ago, like, my direct influence was Narnia. Um, I mean, I mean, Narnia is literally my religion. I mean, <laughs> Narnia is, uh, I, people don't talk about this movie enough. Uh, like, this, um, it's, I feel like it's very, very underrated. Um, and I mean, like, it's, it's such a beautiful film. It, uh, it, it and it also has, has, like, this whole, this whole feeling of nostalgia to me. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just so much fun, and it is so fun. It is so much fun. Uh, and I'm so glad that that John and I watched it uh, yesterday, and he saw it for the first time. And and when he and I, I, I thought that that he was going to like just be like, eh, I thought it was okay, because he does that with a lot of movies that I like, a lot of Disney movies. But no, he came out of the movie. He's like, this is how it's really cool. I'm like, yes, I'm gonna marry you harder and faster now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that oh, is man. awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, like this this movie, uh, like I like like I, I I could literally talk an entire world about this movie. <laughs> I could I could I literally talk talk an entire Narnia about Narnia. <laughs> I love that. I think that no, I think that's fantastic. I wish there were. I, I wish it was easier for people to love things the way that you love this. So that's that's super super awesome. And I, it's been such a joy getting to experience how much you love this and, and getting to to really just like watch you gush about this for the past uh, hour and a half or so or however long we've been we've been recording. Who knows at this point? Uh, I think we started in March. Yeah, um, March March four hundred ninety first. So that is awesome. Oh, it's super. You, it's super duper cool. I like. I definitely dude, think. What was? I, go ahead. Ethan. No. Yeah, yeah, I just like it's such an interesting movie because like it is. I don't want to say it's low stakes, but like it's so easy to get into for especially for high fantasy for like traditional high fantasy for 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 magic and wardrobes and uh and all that garbage that all the high fantasy books have this is just so simple and so easy and so fun compared to most of it that it's like i can definitely see it being anybody's favorite movie uh there's nothing like it's just one of those rare instances where there's nothing wrong with it at all like i could sit here all day and and not be like hmm well you know, as much as I complain about the wolves being from New Jersey, like it's not that doesn't take it away from me. It doesn't ruin it for me. It doesn't do anything like that. It's just like it's just a fun. It's a good time. It's as much as you want it to be. You know, you can you can interface with it on so many levels. It can be the greatest thing you've ever seen. It can be just something cool. that You're like, yeah, man, that was really awesome. Uh, it is news to me that it is a Disney movie. I, I learned that today. I was today years old um, when I learned this was a Disney movie. So, you know, just I'm glad you love it the way you love it. I'm glad I'm glad your fiance loves it. Uh, what was the name of your Narnia world? Uh, oh boy. Um. Um. Uh, it, it, it was a play on the Garden of Eden. It was actually Adina. Um, Love that. It, nice. It, it, and it, it was it was a combination of of Narnia and the Golden Compass. Uh, where um uh where it, it was it was the it was a parallel world and and people had a, had part of themselves in animal form um and instead of instead of the golden compass it was actually a um a a mirror that, that you could look into and see and you could see the parallel universe and and, and you got and you could also see like the future um the the, the trilogy, um, it was like oh, so much action in there. I re- the first book was called Dawn of the Darkest Day. Ooh, good, uh, good, good <laughs> book name. Yeah. Um, uh, and and what, when it, uh, whenever I write stuff, I I write it as if it's a movie. So like like I'm, I I see everything and I write it as if like as if like I'm writing a screenplay. Um, uh, the first book that I wrote was called uh, The Animal Whisperer. Um, and so that that was also like uh, Narnia and Golden Compass. Co- uh, combined. I mean, it was uh, uh, the the one about Adina. It was secrets within e- secrets within Edina. Um, I'm pro- probably gonna because I I've, I've, I've been wanting to to like to like rework that, rewrite it, and like change up some things and like try to get it published. I'm like, I don't know if I can be an author. I'm I'm more of an editor. <laughs> I'm more more video because <laughs> it would be ironic for me to write stuff but not read. <laughs> 
I mean, hey, whatever no, gets the job I, done. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think they're two different actions. I do. I really think that they're wholly different skills because plenty of people can read books and can't write books, you know, so they've got to be different. Mm-hmm. If all it takes is knowing how to read, then sure. I don't know. It's got to be. I would, I would read your books. <laughs> I, I like books. <laughs> I mean, for sure, I definitely consume things different as a person who create things, who creates things, than someone who maybe doesn't and just consumes things. Mm, you know, like, I definitely well. think about things differently. I think at least, I, I it, to, to my knowledge, uh, based on the way the way things, I, I have a harder time of just being a flat-out fan of stuff than than some people do, Um, for sure. So I think that there's there's nothing saying that you can't write just because you're not a huge reader. There's also something not saying that you, There's nothing saying you can't write. Hey, if you want to write, uh, do whatever. Especially if you're already a competent editor of things, that's sometimes even more valuable than being a writer of things. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, plenty, plenty of writers, especially in the like, you know, capital F fiction sort of realm are referred to as just being nothing without their editors. So who knows? Maybe, maybe your stories are, are nothing without, well, you, obviously your stories are nothing without you is but the dumbest thing I ever said. Um, whatever. <laughs> Brain no work. Brain no work pump. today. Brain pump no work. Uh, so let's wrap the show real quick. I want to, uh, run down where we land on the big board. I'm just going to breeze through it though, because I don't want Danny to hear what I have to say. Uh, uh. The Chronicles of Narnia, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe lands a ninth on our board board with a 78.15, which rounds to a 78 on the Bacon and Egg score. Uh, the a, listener score. Yeah, the listener score was a 72. We did have yes. a fair few hundreds in there, though. I will say that. Yeah. Um, uh, that does put it second from the bottom, but it does have a pretty good score against the bottom movie. And the bottom movie I really liked. So We've also <laughs> only done 10 movies. So We've also not- only done 10 <laughs> movies. So there's still plenty of time for us to review. Although I know next week we're reviewing like a universally beloved film. So. Hold Oops. Yeah, if the audience score drives uh, <laughs> puts a wonderful life that far down the board, then I'm gonna have some questions, a couple of suggestions on maybe you should be fleeing west. Uh, yeah, I'll be surprised. But uh, so that is that, Danny. Where can people find you on the internet? So people can find me on my YouTube channel, which is Editing's Everything. I upload every Saturday, every other Saturday, really whenever I whenever I want to post content that I have to pay the bills with. Mood, <laughs> right? Um, Big old mood. <laughs> Uh, but I, I edit uh, trailers on there. I'll take your favorite movie, your least favorite movie, and I'll transform it into something brand new. Like uh, something that they'll be coming up this uh, this Saturday is Fifty Shades of Grey in seven different genres, um, which is uh, which would be quite quite the something to see. <laughs> Um, you also found me on TikTok at that damn Danny. Um, I post a lot of my photography on there, a lot of my behind the scenes of photography. Um, and I also just post like just just whatever whatever comes to my mind. I also post a lot of nail videos. Um, uh, my nails are very. Your cris- nails look fantastic, by the <laughs> Thank way. Thank you. My nails are very very very, very Christmassy nails. today. Um, red and green going on, very sparkly from Hollow Taco. Uh, Hollow Taco, Olive and June, and Jolie Vegan are the the brands that I used. And you also follow me on Instagram at that. Di- uh, no, that that's my TikTok at the editorial style. That's where I post all my photography. I I do mainly portraits, but I. I range from children and family all the way up to really weird avant-garde glitter stuff. So my photography is basically fantasy, and this movie is a fantasy, and that all comes full circle. Well, there we go. <laughs> you should follow Danny on every platform. Um, yeah, you should, you should. Danny pumps out content like you wouldn't believe. Seriously, it's always it's my more entire Danny for you content. page, four videos <laughs> yeah. at a time, uh, for sure. Uh, usually, people being covered in some sort of substance, um, and then having a picture taken of them. <laughs> And I, I, I will soon uh, uh, give my fiance a glitter beard, a Christmas oh, glitter yeah, beard. Let's go. Very, very oh my soon. Gosh. You should see that coming up soon. I got to convince him. Hopefully, he doesn't inhale any glitter, and hopefully, it comes off pretty easily. <laughs> I will Neither say of the above. You inhale all the glitter. You, you can't. You can't poop glitter if you don't inhale glitter. <laughs> I think most people would prefer it that way. <laughs> you know, a thing you should strive for in your daily life. Uh, I will say your recent Baby Yoda video uh, got me good. <laughs> that was that was a good one. I did I did indeed laugh at that one Thank quite you. quite heartily. I I really want to do the I do my little dancey dance with Baby Yoda. I do my little dance dance. <laughs> the problem is that song is the most profane song that has ever existed. <laughs> I know, right before Dumb Baby <laughs> says I do my little dancey dance, he says a lot of things. 
yeah that i don't necessarily vibe with and cannot say as a white person yeah <laughs> um, and that sort of takes the the fun of that sound out of it for me a little bit mm-hmm. just personally now i do i am a fan of the baby uh, <laughs> or as as yeah that's the that's it's it's i i, I tweeted yesterday that i i also do my little dancey dance which is true <laughs> Um, those videos are hilarious though, but I'm glad you and you and the child are enjoying, uh, enjoying TikTok together. It's, it's always heartening to see people, uh, spending some quality time with the child. Yes. It should be my own And for those child. of you who are not on the Zoom call <laughs> with us, which is everybody listening, uh, Danny is wearing a getting, lose over getting chicken nuggies, uh, crew neck <laughs> with the child. It's awesome. It. It's so cool. Uh, he's the cutest as always. He has a name. Okay. Yeah, but I'm not spoiling that on our non Star Wars show. Okay. I know. I'm excited also, for our podcast. He'll always the be podcast. the child to me. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, Ethan, you ready to do the sign off stuff? Yeah, dude. Um, uh, the, our, our, this has been Bacon and Eggs. Uh, our show is. Graphic Wait a minute, no, I gotta say the thing. Oh, yeah. holy crap. Okay, so talking about TikTok, uh, one of the shows on our network, Sincerely Us, recently did an episode of their podcast all about the Ratatouille, and it was so cool. They like they take it from the beginning and they're like, This is how we conceived the Ratatouille, and there was this song like the Ratatouille, and now it's not even part of Ratatouille. There's its own like canon tusicle, and that song has been booted from it. Um, but they go through and they like, explain like all the creators who are part of it, and then they they run down in the second half of the show like the whole thing, Act One, Act Two, and they play all the songs, and they highlight the creators, and they talk about what they mean, and it's, it's an extremely cool episode of a podcast. If you aren't listening to Sincerely Us, like stop what you're doing, forget this podcast, go listen to Sincerely Us. There's a preview for their whole show, right? Sure. Yeah. Anyway, our graphics are by Vishon Brandon, graphite.vmb on Instagram. Our music is by Andrew Scott Bell, andrewscottbellmusic.com. I've been Ethan Hill. She's been Danny. He's been Tyler. And until next time, Arrivederci. Aslan. For Narnia and for Aslan. <laughs> <laughs>